Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15 minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. So I would now like to hand over to Brandon, who's going to talk about uh, ESG and give us a general ESG update and talk about the survey that we've been doing at the Fun Board Council. Thank you very much, Alan. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to be in Luxembourg. It's the first time I've ever been to Luxembourg. And um, I've certainly learned an absolute fortune today from everyone who's, who's kindly given us of their time. And what I want to cover just, just here today is a little bit more about how ESG is affecting us uh, in the fund industry. Um, some of my ideas have been stolen by, by Marco. Some of my ideas have been stolen by Corin, but I, I've got a few other ones. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try and give you something original and, and new that you can use today. And um, before I actually get into some of the, the, the fund board's council work, I, I just want to actually give a lot of credit to Elfie, who put out a very, very good bit of research a couple of weeks ago. I think a lot of you would have seen the sustainable, uh, sustainable funds research, which Elfie put out. And, and I've been going through that, and it, it's really good work by, by, by Elfie Morningstar and Zeb, but what really stood out to me, and I know I'm, I'm stating the obvious to everybody, but the scale of the growth in sustainable funds, 200% growth 2019 to 2021 of the, the assets under management and the flows. It's absolutely phenomenal, the, the scale of that. But very importantly, that's Morningstar's classification of sustainable funds. And, and what obviously stands out to all of us is now Morningstar don't trust what people say. If you say you're Article 8 or you say you're Article 9, that's not, Morningstar's not going to take your word for it. They're going to look at the funds label. They're going to look at the funds documentation. And I think many of you will be familiar earlier this year where they took a lot of funds off uh, a classification as being sustainable because they didn't see evidence that they were sustainable. They, they, the way they describe it in the report is, in many cases, ESG contributes to the manager's investment process, but it's not a decisive factor. Our Morningstar universe of sustainable funds includes only funds that use ESG factors in a determined and an intentional way. Now that should give us all reason for pause, because if you're involved in a fund which is classified as Article 8 or Article 9, but Morningstar don't think it's, it's actually doing that in a sustainable way, we should, we should be asking ourselves some, some quite hard questions. There's another very, very sobering fact from that research, uh, which has really stood out to me. In Europe, between 2019 and 2021, there's been a 35% growth in new sustainable funds. Okay, we're not surprised. We know there's a lot of them. There's one launching every two minutes. Even more surprising to me was a 76% growth in conventional funds being repurposed as ESG funds. That should make us all think, because straight away to me, that's the red flag which says, Greenwash, greenwash, nice way to sell these funds. Is this really doing what I'm saying that it's doing? So that's, and it's not just theoretical. I know we've got people here from Germany. We know what happened in Germany with the raid on uh, a certain asset manager's offices. We know the SEC has been in and uh, thrown the book at other fund managers for not doing what it says in their, in their prospectuses. This is real stuff. You know, this is stuff which, which we all want to try and, and, and make sure we don't get caught by. Now, I know I'm, I'm preaching to people here who know all of this. Um, so uh, what I want to actually go to is, is, is the bigger question, which is what does good look like 
when you're overseeing these ESG funds? What, what should your manco be doing? What should your fund board be doing? And um, we, we, we didn't know the answer until we asked a whole lot of people uh, who work in this world. So uh, we've been speaking to about 25, you know, a good couple of dozen fund board directors, professionals across Europe, across Asia, and we've asked them, well, what are you doing in this space? But we've also looked at what the regulators are, are, are looking for. We've looked at uh, the European regulators, we've looked at some of the Asian regulators, we've looked at the direction of travel of what's emerging, and we think there's a pretty good picture out there of what good looks like. And there's, there's three elements of, of what good looks like. So the first one, not very surprising, is make sure that your fund labels, your objectives, your literature, your marketing, everything is not misleading. Make sure that it's clear. Uh, and, and I think that's what we heard from Marco. Uh, it's a really important starting point, which is it's about transparency. It's, it's making sure that you're actually being very clear what it is that you say you're doing. That one's quite easy. I think we probably all had a good handle on that one from the point of view of it's in the SFDR, it's in wherever you are, that, that idea. And it's, it's not a new idea that you should be clear and not misleading. The one which is starting to get into a bit more detail is this real expectation, your ESG policies and procedures, they really need to be articulated by the firm's fund managers. So you, you need to understand what is your portfolio manager doing? You as the fund board, not, well, I've delegated it to the fund manager. No, the, there's this real expectation that um, the ESG policies, the procedures, they're very well articulated and the board actually understands them. The third element is, is the strong systems and controls. And again, we heard that from Marco, not, you know, not surprisingly, an understanding that there are processes in place to oversee the way the ESG investing is, is being done um, and making sure that it's doing what it says on the tin. And I think that gives us an idea of the world we should be in. So the question then arises, are we there? What's happening today? So again, we spoke to 25 people across lots of jurisdictions, and it's very clear some fund boards are there, but it was a real minority. From the people we spoke to, you know, it, it is a real, real minority who, who are in that space. Uh, we even had uh, a number of chairs turn to us and say, what are you talking about? That's not our job. You know, we're the fund board. Our job is to just oversee things in general. What do you mean you want us to understand ESG policy and processes? That's the, you know, the executive of the investment manager's job. You know, that's not our job. We don't micromanage things. Um, we, we, it, was, it was a very, very common theme from a lot of the directors. But what we then held up a mirror to them and said, but if something goes wrong and your, your, your fund is, is deemed to have been greenwashing, is deemed to have done something wrong, you do realize you're going to be held accountable. And that was when, in the interviews, the person stepped back and said, hmm, maybe. Maybe, maybe we should ask a few more questions about this. But then again, they would come back fighting and they would say, but what are you talking about, Brandon? You know, we don't oversee the way that they do fixed income. You're telling me I need to understand the way the fund manager's picking uh, stocks, the way they're categorizing and, and, and they're saying whether something's ESG or not. I don't scrutinize yield curve models. You know, I don't look at the discount rate which the guys in equities use to value. So why should I do this for, for ESG? You know, Brandon, that's micromanaging. That's not board responsibility. And I said, you got a good point. But fixed income's been done for hundreds of years. Equity's been done for hundreds of years. There's, there's quite well established how you do yield curves, how you do discounted cash flow for equity. Maybe in five or 10 years time, you can turn around to me as a board director and say, it's just for the executive to do. But are you willing to take that risk? for the next five to 10 years, while this is all very subjective and it's not very clear, um, don't you want to understand a bit more? Don't you think you should? And, and you know, the example I gave them is a very simple one, which is you've got BP in, in a lot of your portfolios and it's in your ESG portfolios. Why is it there? Is BP green or is BP brown? And a lot of them were saying, well, you know, well, 
I don't have to know that. That's for the fund manager. I'm saying, really? We heard from Marco that uh, he said, go and do a, a consumer group, go and do a focus group with your investors and see, do they understand what's in the portfolio? I think they'd want to understand why you're comfortable having you know, a fossil fuel company in your portfolio. Now, there could be a very good reason why it's there. It might be because your model is it's about the future, it's about being aligned with a particular net zero transition pathway, it's about their R&D efforts. That's absolutely fine. But if you can't articulate that as, as, as a board director, you need to kind of ask yourself a question. Um, am I comfortable in, in that situation? And I think that takes us back to, it really takes us back to the Morningstar research, which is this gap between how you describe your fund and what's actually happening inside it. So the question is uh, for you, for you, everyone in the room, for all of us, what can we do about it? Um, and again, some of my really good suggestions which came from my research have already come out from Marco and Corinne, but I'm going to say them again anyway because they, uh, th they're worth repeating. And there's, there's four key things. So the first one is, is ask questions. You as a fund board, you as directors, you as people involved in Mancos, what is the ESG policy which the portfolio manager is using? What are their processes? How are they doing it? Scrutinize the management information which you're getting. Use your three lines of defense and know what you don't know. And let's, let, let's dive into those in a bit more detail. In terms of actually asking questions about the policy and the process, um, actually understand what it is they're doing. In some organizations, there's a, there's a, you'll all know this, there's a, a responsible investing team. They set policy for everybody. Everybody follows the policy. In others, each desk does what they want. And, and, and I suppose what you want to understand is for the money that they're managing for you, how are they approaching it? And actually, very importantly, are there some key principles? I'm not expecting everybody to go through their in-house proprietary ESG model. Um, you might want to understand what controls there are around that model, but are there some key principles? You know, what's brown? What's green? What, just, just, just some sort of way to understand what's their approach towards doing ESG. And also, what are those first-line controls? If each desk gets to do what they want with no sort of, uh, no sort of first-line business um, oversight over that, is that something that makes sense? Or is there perhaps a first-line quality assurance team? We've heard of organizations where the responsible investment team go and do an audit. So once a year, they go to each desk and they said, okay, so tell us what you do. We want to kick the tires. We want to understand if it makes sense. So really, really getting yourself to understand that. And again, Marco gave us a, a really, a really uh, clear message on this, which is it's about robust management processes and about robust risk management processes. And I think you know, that takes us to the idea of management information, which is, well, what MI are you getting as a fund board? What is your manco looking at when it comes to ESG? And when we spoke to people, the answer was, what do you mean? We don't get any MI on ESG. Probably then the first place to start is, why don't you have any MI on ESG? Now, if you say, well, it's, it's not our job. We've delegated to the risk committee. We've delegated to the executive investment committee. That's fine. But that means you've delegated your responsibilities. What responsibilities have you delegated? How are you comfortable that they're overseeing ESG? Because if you're saying it's not your responsibility, well, it's someone's responsibility. And, and if everyone thinks it's everyone else's responsibility, we know, we know what happens then. So I think you know, one of the first questions, if you're not getting any MI on ESG, ask the question, why not? And then that leads us uh, to this idea of, well, it's okay to delegate. It's okay to, to rely on the first line to, to, to a great degree. But where's your assurance? Where is your compliance monitor team telling you that they know what they're doing? Where's your internal audit team telling you that you've got a good control environment for ESG? I've got to actually say almost every single person we spoke to, with probably exception of one, said, you're right. 
There's nothing on our compliance monitoring plan for the next 12 months to look at this. There's nothing on our internal audit plan to look at this for the next 12 months. There was only one team which had a risk team which did something brilliant, which is the risk team had a separate model for ESG, and they looked at every stock in portfolios on their model, and they went back to the first-line guys only for Article 9 funds, but they said, you've got these three stocks in your portfolio. They don't look like they should be in your Article 9 fund. Convince us why they should be there. That was the one example out of 25 conversations where somebody was doing something where the second-line risk team were actually really kicking the tires and doing something. Uh, and that doesn't, at the moment, that's our gold standard. But you could probably argue maybe that's a hygiene, which everybody should be doing at some point in time. And I think uh, you know, that leads us to uh, the point which, um, you know, Corinne, you made, which is we, we've got to know what we don't know as boards. And, and we've got to be really honest to acknowledge we don't have the skills to even ask these questions as a board. And we've got to be able to say, OK, well, who's our ESG expert? Do we not all need to have some sort of minimum level of knowledge about ESG? And, and, and who's, the, who's the person who we go to as the guru on the board? Doesn't seem to be there. Yes, some of the executive directors will, will work with us day to day. But it's, it seems to be conspicuous by its absence to have somebody who is really on, on, on the top of ESG, which means you need to be thinking about, well, how are we going to engage with the business? We did have a few people say, this is on the agenda. We have an offsite later this year. We're going to have a presentation from the responsible investing team. That's great. But is that enough? You know, is half an hour on an offsite where you're, where, where you're talking about lots of other things enough? Do you need to have a whole away day just talking about it? Again, that will depend on your risk appetite and where you want to be as an organization. But I think, you know, Corinne, you're absolutely right. We've got to close this gap of ESG on boards. Otherwise, um, we, we're going we're to all be exposed. And, and, and the bottom line is um, we know this is one of the biggest risks we've got to the growth of sustainable investing. And I'm, I'm going to give the final word to, uh, to Mark Manning, who, who some of you know is the regulator in the UK who's leading a lot of our SDR, which is our SFDR work. He came to one of our events in March um, uh, at the FBC, and he said, the financial sector can support not just the transition to net zero, but also towards a more sustainable future more broadly. But this requires consumers being able to trust firms to deliver on their ESG promises. Greenwashing presents a risk to confidence in the market, and the much-needed flow of capital to help secure net zero and to help secure all of our futures. So, probably not the only person who holds that opinion. Um, and I think probably still a lot of work for us to do. So, that was everything I had to share for now. We hope you enjoyed that 15-minute uh, excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.